This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to episode 11 of Four People with Bishop Wright. I'm your host, Matthew Bowers. Just a reminder before we get into it, this podcast is a conversation with the Four Faith Weekly Devotional that is sent out every Friday. If you haven't had the chance to read that devotional yet, you can find it in the episode description. And Bishop, I think the conversation around your devotional this week um, is extremely topical for for what we see going on in the world in the news. Uh, and I, and I want to give you a chance to kind of break down what's going on in Atlanta, in the world, um, especially around inequality and, and the difficulty of life. Because, I mean, you mentioned the, the, diff, the, the different lifespans around areas like Buckhead and the Falcon Stadium. And I think for me, as a white male, when I go downtown to the Falcon Stadium, I'm excited for sports and I don't always have my eyes on inequality or, or difficulty of life. Um, so I, I offer that to ask you, what what am I missing? What what am I not seeing? What are others missing or not seeing in those kind of areas? Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, I think that let's let's start with Jesus, huh? That's a novel idea. So we start with Jesus, and what Jesus did was Jesus kept people focused on the facts on the ground, right? The facts on the ground. I have to tell you, I'm very nervous about religion that has no sense of the facts on the ground. And so, you know, this week's offering for faith offering is called order. And it's just about the notion of what is the order on the ground. And we as followers of Jesus are supposed to put things into order. That's what St. Paul says. We're supposed to put things in order. We put things in order based on our moral sort of compass. And our moral compass comes from Jesus. And Jesus did not shy away from data. And I think that sometimes in the church, we have a very sort of uh, a lack of curiosity about what the actual facts say. And so in this, in this offering, we're just talking about what is, what is the likelihood of, uh, of people to be educated and grow and have adequate housing and good jobs and those sorts of things. And, and who are the people who are excluded from opportunity? Who are the people that are included from opportunity? It's certainly not about guilt or shame or obligation, but, but I think that we need to know what is the status of our neighbor. I mean, really. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't know that we're, we're, people are missing. I wouldn't say that people are missing things. I would just say to follow Jesus means to be curious about the fate or the, or the life of my neighbor. And, uh, and I think we got to do a better job of that, especially now. So I want to ask you kind of the raw components of what it means to follow Jesus, because I think one of my frustrations is if you polled 50 people, what does it mean to follow Jesus? I would guarantee you 45 might have something different to say. And I'm not saying all those things are wrong, but there's components of, of following scripture. There's components of, you know, recognizing the humanity and the dignity of, of everyone. Um, so what does it mean to follow Jesus at, at its core? Well, I mean, at, at its core, it is to sort of uh, allow his stories, his example, uh, his directions to have sway in our life, to direct our words and our actions uh, and the people we connect with, uh, how we are generous, how we give ourselves to service, et cetera. I mean, so those are sort of big, big themes. But I, I think that what Jesus does in amazing fashion is, is that he enlarges the friend-making campaign on the ground. And so you see Jesus walk and talk among people who are very different from 
himself. You see people outraged at his ability to connect with lots of different kinds of people, to meet them in their circumstances. Uh, You see that the religious people are outraged because he accounts for uh, people that they have been comfortable excluding. Uh, and so, and so, Jesus is sort of an irritant uh, in this sort of hyper bubble religiosity, and I, I think that that's what I want to really get to. I, I think that um, a, a lot of people uh, are are taught in in religious organizations that what we want is peace, and even you hear that on the news now. We want peace, but the Bible actually talks in terms of equity and justice. Uh, we can't have peace with God until there's equity and justice. And so I, I think that uh, there's some teaching opportunities there. I think that there's a recalibration ha- that has to happen. I think we're, we're seeking peace, and that's not a bad thing, but but our own personal peace is, uh, and, and the preoccupation of that uh, is not actually biblical. Uh, what the, Bibli- the Bible seems to be interested in uh, is, is that is equity and justice in the land, uh, does, is, does neighbor, uh, is neighbor cared for? Do we treat neighbor like ourselves? Remember in the Bible, uh, love God, uh, and neighbor, they're, they're synonymous. And so, you know, you and I, uh, even though we're working hard and trying to make a way for ourselves and for our family, et cetera, have to always be mindful of what is the status of neighbor. And we can't really know the status of neighbor because we live in a bubble world. We, we drive, well, at least we formally drove to work in our cars in our own particular bubble and worked there in our bubble and went home in our bubble. We've got to actually take some pretty extraordinary effort to get out and find out what's going on with neighbor. Uh, I remember uh, some years back, I had a very wise, uh, older uh, member of my congregation uh, after, after we had, a, uh, uh, I, I, I think that the gentleman thought that I was being a little bit too triumphant in some of my sermons about, about society, et cetera. And we were going to a car show and he said, well, why don't we just park our cars and, and ride the, uh, the public transportation? And, and as we rode the public transportation, he never lectured me. He never, uh, he never sort of said, take a look here. He just, uh, put us, uh, side by side. Uh, with people who were very different from us, um, they may be the same color as as, as I I am, and uh, and this gentleman was, uh, uh, but uh, we saw their socioeconomic status, and I think he was re- trying to remind me that if we're not careful, um, we will end up in bubbles, and we will end up isolated from neighbor and the needs of neighbor, and and Jesus walked and talked that he he kept asking people to see God in neighbor, in every corner of the society. I think it's easy to, to, to get locked in that bubble. Um, We're now living in a world where earlier this week, the the president stood on, on Episcopal ground um, and, and with a sign, you know, behind him that says all is welcome, um, preached a a certain message. And I'll, I'll I'll tiptoe the line there to, to give you room to go where you want with it, Bishop. Um, and so I, I'm just wondering, ha, has the bubble been popped, I guess, in, in our lives as we see now our faith, our, our, our belief system on the news, um, being used as part of a message? Yeah, I, you know, I think the first thing I want to say is, is that, uh, uh, I'm I'm from the diocese of Washington. I was I was uh, ordained in that diocese, so I have a particular sort of personal investment in in this. And I want to say that if you look carefully in those photographs of the president 
uh, standing in front of St. John's Episcopal Church, uh, Lafayette Square, you will see the sign, all are welcome. Uh, which is, which is, you know, which is a very political statement, not a partisan statement, but a political statement. Jesus was biased toward all, the well-being of all, and so, and so that's what I want to remind people first and foremost. And in the book that the president was was holding up, it is a book about how God continues to break in uh, to the ways that you and I are being, consciously or unconsciously to make sure that we understand clearly that God is not pleased uh, by uh, photo ops or, or perfunctory expressions of religion. God is pleased when we care for one another. God is uh, pleased when we raise the floor height. Uh, uh, you know, Jesus said himself, re- remember, you know, I've come for life abundant. And when we look at the fact that um, in this great country, and it is a great country, um, you know, children' uh, minds are being understimulated because of poor schooling, and uh, people are not having access to health care. And uh, if you are black and brown, you have one set of outcomes, and if you are white, you have another set of outcomes. Uh, you know, do we really think, if we read that Bible, that God is pleased? Uh, I think I think the answer is clearly no, and I think that's not a Democratic or Republican answer. I think the Bible says that. Um, the Bible talks again in terms of equity and justice, uh, both in the Old and New Testaments. And so I, I, I think that what I hope is, is that uh, uh, people will be convicted uh, by, by the optics in our streets. And they will recognize that, um, you know, by the, the killing of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery uh, uh, are, are just recent events in a very long uh, American story, uh, an American story that uh, privileges uh, white skin over black skin, uh, white dignity over black dignity. And, and we've got to ask ourselves, as we as the followers of Jesus, uh, is that consistent with the message of Jesus? Uh, people say to me, well, but I'm not racist uh, because I, I do this or I do that or I don't say this or I don't say that. I'm not talking about sort of an active racial hatred. Uh, I'm talking about something far more insidious, something that gets sort of down into our skin, black and white alike, uh, something that's in the air that we breathe. And it, and so the way forward, I think, is to begin to just take as an objective uh, a look as possible. Let's look at the data. Let's look at the data in my neighborhood, uh, in my city, in my county, in my state. And I think when we find that, when we take a good look, crystal clear at the disparity, then I think we have a question to ask ourselves. And that is, how's my neighbor doing? And then when we ask that question, uh, the Bible gives clear guidance. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with you in one moment. If you're enjoying Four People with Bishop Rob Wright, we encourage you to subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. We're back. And Bishop, I want to ask you because, I mean, a, a lot of people are in different positions. Um, it is, is it reasonable for, or is it easy for the common person to go out and march? Is it easy for somebody to be writing their senator? Um, I, I guess my question is what, what should the average person be doing about 
inequality and justice in our society. Because I, I, I look at all the options I'm, I'm gifted and, and privileged of being able to do. And there's a lot, but I also know that not everyone has that ability. I mean, I, I was thinking yesterday issues of childcare being out go, going to being able to go March. Um, what what can the average person do in uh, to to recognize inequality and 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 to seek justice? Well, a couple things come to mind. Um, uh, I, I, wonderful wonderful quote uh, that has stayed with me over many decades is is that. N- uh, no one can do everything, but everybody can do something, right? And so, uh, I, I try not to say what people should do uh, because I, I don't want to lower the ceiling height on their imagination. What I, what I want to say is is that um, uh, you know, do you recognize a gap in this world? Uh, are, are there gaps? Well, yes. Well, and so if you have a sense of Jesus's ministry, then you know that Jesus uh, is inviting us to join him. Uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit to stand in those breaches, to stand in those gaps. Uh, and so that can look lots of different ways. Um, you know, I, I am not a believer in police violence or, uh, or uh, protesting violence. Uh, I believe in nonviolent direct action. And so I invite people to march nonviolently. I invite people to make their concerns known I invite people to use the democratic mechanisms. I invite people to vote. Let me say that again. Please vote. Please vote your convictions. Uh, please vote your faith. Uh, please do that. This is part of our civic duty, but it's also part of our spiritual duty, which is to, to uh, take our commitment to Jesus and his work uh, and bring that into in appropriate ways into the public square. Voting is the best way. Community service is the best way. Uh, using the dollars that you and I have uh, is uh, one way that we can uh, help to uh, uh, compensate and recalibrate uh, systemic um, evil. But I, I would love to speak to, especially to my white brothers and sisters, because uh, I, I think that um, you know what we need are, uh, are are people who have a heart and have a have a conscience about this kind of stuff, who can help their friends and their family members and. And, uh, and, you know, and their sort of spheres of influence to perhaps think again about some of the disparities in our community. Um, you know, black people talking to white people, it has to happen. We have to talk to everybody. All of us, we have to talk across all the ethnic differences and divisions, of course. But I'm, I'm interested in what are the conversations that are happening in particular households or kitchen tables. Um, not to be condemning, but to begin to, to lift up this notion of uh, if we love America, uh, then one of the most patriotic things we can do is to make it a commonwealth, uh, to make it a true democracy. And right now, it's not. Uh, I think this is what uh, what people are, are protesting right now in our streets. Uh, there are gaps, significant gaps. There are pathologies. There are sickness in our society. And I think the most patriotic thing we can do is begin to actively take up work to correct those things. Uh, I personally believe that it starts with us as individuals. Uh, I personally believe that you and I can work for a better day in big and small ways uh, without this sort of corrosive uh, of uh, contempt for people uh, who are presently in authority right now. I, I, I don't have to criticize uh, incessantly the president uh, to do and be committed to uh, justice and love. 
Uh, and so I would ask people as best you can steer clear of those distractions and, uh, and uh, decide how you can contribute to the common good. Uh, I think that the, the baptismal uh, uh, vows in our Book of Common Prayer help us. Uh, you know, when we see evil, uh, uh, to repent and return to the Lord. Uh, we strive for justice and peace among all people. We respect the dignity of every human being. When we begin to sort of work in those directions in big and small ways, I think that's where we make a difference. And I think sometimes just by our example, uh, we can make a difference. And so that's a start at that conversation, but it's really a lifelong commitment. I think part of this conversation as well is the conflict between Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. Um, and I think that is something that this country is is wrestling with. Um, I mean, as I go on Facebook and I, I look at the comment section, every Black Lives Matter comment is met with All Lives Matter. And so I just wonder, what do you say back to those people who, when they see Black Lives Matter, their their response is All Lives Matter? Well, you know, I, I personally understand uh, the All Lives Matter response to this notion of Black Lives Matter. But, but here again, uh, two ideas. Uh, one, uh, as, as was shared with, uh, with me by a staff member uh, of, uh, uh, of mine, you know, Jesus helps us to think through this. Uh, you know, there's the story of the one in the 99. Uh, Jesus leaves, uh, you know, invites us to leave the 99. And to go after the one, and that is because the one who is in peril, the one who is suffering, the one who is facing danger, means so much to God that uh, that God is taking up extraordinary effort to to go after, seek after, pursue that one uh, who is experiencing extraordinary hardship. Uh, I think that that is what we've got to bring to this conversation. Of course, all lives matter, and of course, Black lives matter. But when we ask ourselves and when we look at the data, again, when we return to the data, can we say that every group uh, has had the same experiences as uh, African-Americans have? Let's say uh, African-Americans, especially with law enforcement. Can we say that all lives uh, have, can we say that young white men have the same experience with law enforcement as young black men? Uh Personally, I would say to you that I'm 56 years old, and I remember when I began driving, my mother gave me quite the speech because of her fear of what would happen to a young African-American, uh, a new driver in a car. And she understood the vulnerability of that. Uh, and I have had to have the same exact conversation with my sons X amount of decades later. So I, I think we've got to be fair, and I think that the way we can be fair and objective is look at the data. The data helps us realize that there's a gap in the way that one group is treated and the other group is treated. And I think this is, we, we look to Jesus again, not only the one in the 99, but that Jesus chased after people who were on the margins to bring that justice and truth to those, what I call the fingernail dirty corners uh, of the society. And I think that this is, this is where we tap into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that adventurer who goes before us, goes with us, and comes after us to go and to do this work. Think about it. All the people that you and I would lift up and venerate as sort of these the, the saints, uh, men and women who have lived extraordinary lives of faith, all of them began to sort of uh, actively walk out of their bubble 
and make connections with people on the margins and to throw their imprimata, uh, all, the, uh, all their capacity and good thinking and resources in that direction and calling attention to disparity. Uh, example after example come to mind. And I think that we shouldn't just uh, leave that with the, quote, saints, but that is our work as followers of Jesus as well. Before we wrap up, Bishop, I want to give you the chance to, to share something uh, that's on your heart or something you're, you're meditating on or reading or listening to this week. Um, what do you have to offer this week? Well, I'm, I'm just so mindful uh, that, uh, you know, in the Apostle Paul's conversation uh, with the church in Corinth, uh, that that Paul finishes one of one of his uh, uh, you know wonderful soliloquies uh, by asking the followers of Jesus, asking his friends, put things in order, and uh, it, which means, of course, as I say in my uh, my for faith this week, some things are out of order. So I'm I'm asking all of us. Uh, as objectively as we can, take a look at what's out of order and know that God cares about that, the disparity, and that God is looking for partners to join God in righting those wrongs. That's all the time we have for this episode, but we'll be back with you next week. If you enjoyed what you heard, connect with us by following Bishop Wright on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you can keep up with when we post new episodes. We'll be back with you next week.